Live from the Davis Brothers Pharmacy Pavilion in Chester City Park in Chester, West Virginia, and sponsored by Davis Brothers Pharmacy. The Ohio Valley Cloak and Dagger Company, in partnership with Striplight Theater of Weirton, West Virginia, presents Cloak and Dagger on the Air, Beyond the Grave. Tonight, two carefully crafted tales, well calculated to thrill and chill you to the bone. First up, a 1949 radio play by Walter Newman and Herbert Russell Wakefield titled Ghost Hunt. Yeah, didn't that leave you high? Left me feeling treetop tall. That was Louis Armstrong's I Can't Give You Anything But Love, and that's all for the hot and mellow hour tonight. Yes, 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 this is Smiley Smith, your favorite disc jockey, I hope, I hope. Here at the hot and mellow hour, home for the season. I'll be back again tomorrow night, minus music, but with a little surprise for you. Tomorrow night, Friday night, as you know, is stunt night here at Station WXP, and have I got a stunt for you. Last week, you remember, I planted my wire recorder in the steam room at a lady's Turkish bath and let you listen in on the playback, remember? <laughs> well, tonight, as soon as I leave the studio, do you know where I'm going? Well, your friend Smiley's going to spend the night in a haunted house on a spook hunt. You heard me, a spook hunt in a haunted house. I'm bringing my little wire recorder along with me, and if you tune in tomorrow evening at this time, you'll learn what it's like to spend the night in a haunted house. Now, ain't that something? A real haunted house, no kidding. Four people are known to have committed suicide there. So tune in tomorrow night and share a real thrill with your old pal Smiley, I must be Crazy Smith. Good night. Care for a cigar, Mr. Thorpe? Uh, my ex left some of his cigars in the dash there. No. Well, there's no reason to carry a chip on your shoulder, Mr. Thorpe. Oh, really? Well, I don't like this fool stunt. Why, I don't see it as a fool stunt at all. I really don't. I think it's the only way you're going to unload this house. Ordinary selling methods won't work in a case like this. Now, don't forget the reputation saddling this house. Four suicides since 1939? You know what people call it. The death trap. Yes, yes, it's a lot of nonsense. Oh, sure, but try to convince people of that. Anyway, when this disc jockey offered me the chance to kill all those rumors about the death trap, about the property, naturally I jumped and took him up on it, especially since it won't cost a cent. Now you're sure about that. I'm not liable for a penny. Not a cent. We're doing him a favor letting him use the place, he said. Thanked me for the chance last night when I drove him out here. So... One hand washes the other, as the fella said. He gets a chance to pull off a stunt, and the wire recording will prove to people that the property is A number one, and we increase the chance of selling the place. Well, as long as it doesn't cost me anything. Not a thing. He's using his own recorder, and I'm paying for the rental of a couple of walkie-talkies he hooked up to it. Well, what about this, uh, Reed? Does she charge anything? Uh, she comes gratis, too. Dr. Reed is a, uh, oh, whatchamacallit, um, psychic investigator. Belongs to a couple of societies that do nothing but hunt ghosts. 
She showed me articles she'd written about it in some magazines. Well, here's the house. Looks real nice in the sunshine, doesn't it? Man, smell that sea breeze. Uh, you don't have to sell me. Well, let, let them know we're here. Probably asleep, up all night and everything. Well, now, why don't they come out? You think they've gone? I told them last night I'd pick them up around 11. Smith! Smith! Hey, Smiley! Dr. Reed! Yeah, fast asleep, I guess. Better go wake him up. Of course, they may have taken the bus back to town. No, no, no. It's a two-mile hike back to the main highway. Smiley! Hey, Smiley, where are you? Wake up! You... you don't suppose, do you? No, 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 no. Smith! Dr. Reed? What's... what's that... that clicking noise from in there? Well, that's his wire recorder. He left it running. Well, these machines cost a lot of money. Doesn't he care if he uses up his batteries? Well, where is he, and where is this raid? Maybe they're upstairs. Smith! Hey! Anybody home? They must have walked to the highway and taken the bus. Well, he wouldn't have left his machine. Well, where are they? Where are they? Don't get so excited, Mr. Thor. Oh, don't tell me not to get excited! <sighs> If something's happened to them in my house, I'm liable. Well, you try this side, I'll try that one. All right. Smiley! Smith! Smith! Oh! McDonald, come here! What? Oh, no. Reed! Dr. Reed, no, don't touch her, Mr. Thorpe. You'll get your hands all... Blood. Is she dead? still feel her pulse, but we better get her to a hospital fast. Care for a cigar, Mr. Thorpe? No, no thanks. Why not try to relax? The nurse said Reed would be all right as soon as she had a blood transfusion. You told the radio station to be sure and call us as soon as they had any word about Smith. Yes, I told him. Why don't you sit down? Oh, I'm all sixes and sevens. What do you suppose happened out there last night? Well, we're going to know in just a second. Just as soon as I can get this recorder set up. You don't suppose Smith and Reed got into a fight, do you? There? A fight? I don't know. Well, what's, what's wrong? Won't it work? Yeah, it works. Take it easy. Uh, testing. Testing, one, two, three. Testing? All right, all set, Dr. Reed? Mr. McDonald, eh? Okay, well, here we go. This is Smiley Smith speaking, Smiley Smith the Ghost Hunter. I don't know whether to hope if this will turn out to be a success for the sake of the program or a failure for my own sake. Anyway, all the preparations have been made now, and it's up to the spooks. I'd better tell you where we are. Right now, we are standing on the lawn of a house about 12 miles above Malibu Beach. The uh, ocean is a hundred feet away, straight down, and the house is perched on the cliff 
and there's a sheer drop off about 100 feet right into the old Pacific. Hey, maybe you can hear the surf, the, uh, surf pounding. Here, I'll turn up the volume. Hear it? Now I'm going to have you meet the two ladies here with me, incidentally. We are the only people around for miles and miles. First, I'd like you to meet Dr. Clarice Reed of the British and American Physical Research Guild. Dr. Reed is a famous investigator of psychic phenomenon, and I'm very honored to be associated with her on this ghost hunt. She's uh, smiling in an embarrassed sort of way. <laughs> You're much too kind, Mr. Smith. Dr. Reed has conducted experiments in this field with such great believers in spiritualism as Oliver Lodge and Arthur Conan Doyle. Dr. Reed is so enthusiastic about ghost hunting that she got out a sickbed this evening to be with us. <coughs> oh, excuse me, my lungs. I, I was a nurse in the First World War. Ended up getting gassed. Oh, well, <clears throat> interesting. Well, anyway, Dr. Reed, uh, we're here on the lawn looking at the house. Can't see much. It's around uh, 11 p.m. now. Seems to be a rambling sort of house. Two stories high. Now, since it was built, there have been four suicides here. Is that right? That's right. Now, now, into the mic. Uh, four suicides since 1939. I, I better tell them who you are so they won't think you're a ghost, huh? <laughs> now, standing with the doc and me is a real estate agent, uh, Miss Charlotte McDonald. She handles this property and can tell you a lot more about it than I can. Well, the house was built by a man named Martin, Toby Martin, an orange grower. Built the house as a wedding present for his wife, but a month after they moved in, she took her own life. On the day of her funeral, he committed suicide the same way. There have been two other cases since then, and I... Did they all jump into the ocean? Yeah, all four of them, right over there. The last one was actually seen doing it. About three years ago, he was seen running like all get-out towards the edge of the cliff, and he was shouting and laughing and yelling as though there were people beside, like, running right along with him. You're kidding. No, it's a fact. He was laughing and yelling and running, and when he got to the edge, right over there, he jumped, never came above water. Well, as good an argument against cold bath as I've ever heard. <laughs> well, since then, people just refuse to live in this house. Silly, I call it. Anyway, if you and Dr. Reed find any sign of a spook, I'll get the owner to pull the house down and rebuild. But if you don't find anything, I'm hoping this will convince folks that it's a real buy. Well, okay, Mr. Smith, you and the doctor are on your own. I'll be by in the morning to pick you up around 11. Oh, well, goodbye, Miss McDonald. I hope there's something left for you to pick up in the morning. <laughs> well, it's almost pitch black, folks. I guess Dr. Reed and I ought to begin. Now... I don't believe in ghosts. Never have. But what I say is this. If you're dead set on looking for them, this is a dandy place to do it. So long, Miss McDonald! Well, Miss McDonald just checked out. And then there were two. Well, three. My dog. Yeah, folks, I have my dog here, uh, Summer, with me. She's a wire hair terrier, three years old, and she can talk. Say hello, Summer. Come on, Summer, say hello. Come on. Uh, huh. well, uh, anyway, she's a wire-haired terrier, and she's three years old. So, uh, should we go inside now, Dr. Reed? Well, I was about to suggest it. Now, how do we hunt ghosts, Doctor? How do we do it? Well, we don't hunt them. If there should be any in the house, they will come to us. Huh, how cozy. And please, not ghosts. Do not refer to them as ghosts. 
We know them as apparitions. Apparitions. I'll remember. I've no desire to hurt their feelings. Where ghosts are concerned, I say live and let live. Well, we've opened the front door now. There. There's the hinge squeaking a little. Now we're standing here looking in. Can't see much. Smells sort of musty and damp. What's the matter, Summer? Come on, girl, what's up? Summer, Summer, come on now. My dog seems to object to entering the house. She has all four feet braced and she's standing against the leash. Perhaps she senses something that we don't. Like apparitions, maybe? Well, yes, it's not unusual. Animals lack the veneer of sophistication that we humans possess. They are more sensitive to such emanations. Oh, come on, Summer, stop this nonsense. You probably smell a mouse or a rat or something. Summer, we're going in whether you like it or not. All right, there's a short entrance hall, and over there at the end of it, end of it is a flight of stairs leading to the, leading to the second floor. Summer! And here to the left is what seems to be a large reception room. Okay, we're entering this large room now. There are windows over there, French windows, and through them I can see the ocean. The electricity hasn't been turned on, so all I have to see is by flashlight. And not a very powerful one at that. Dr. Reed is now adjusting her walkie-talkie. It's hooked up to my recorder so she can cut in while she's hunting and tell us what she's seeing. Here's a few words from Doc before she sets forth on her investigation through the house. Ladies and gentlemen, <coughs> Mr. Smith has introduced me as a ghost hunter. He spoke, I think, in a spirit of skepticism and levity. Well, I'd like to assure you that all of my purposes here are serious. I've spent my entire life seeking reliable proof of the appearance of apparitions. Have you ever seen any? Ever? I have seen phenomena which leads me to believe in the possibility of their existence, although I have never seen any. I account myself sensitive to the evidence of their existence. Oh, this house, for example, affects me profoundly. It just doesn't seem to affect you in the same way. Well, I'm not too happy about all of this, if that's what you mean. You are not psychic and therefore are not sensitive to these matters as I am. I imagine the question that is in the minds of those of you listening to us is, shall we find apparitions? I don't know, but I feel they are here and that they are evil. Oh, I sense danger. I shall soon know. Well, okay. Well, Dr. Reed's leaving the room now. I'm going to make a tour of the house. First thing I'm going to do is open the windows and let in some fresh air. <sighs> there. Feels better already. Well, cooler anyway. You know, I know that... Ah, God! What was that? A bat. A bat just flew into the room. Oh, I think it was a bat. Well, it wasn't a bird. I didn't actually see it. It just shadows that fan past my face. Oh, God! There it is again! It touched me as it passed. Summer! Summer! Summer, come back here, Summer! Uh, you fool dog! Come back here! Dr. Reed? Dr. Reed? Dr. Reed! Reed's... 
speaking. Now, what is it, Smith? Uh, Summer's run off, my dog. She jumped through the window and ran off. <clears throat> oh, well, so I told you she sensed something about this house, didn't I? Yeah, well, you want to come and see it, see what it was, if you could determine what it is? That exactly set her off? <clears throat> Soon. I'm making my way slowly up the stairs. Towards the second floor now. I'm halfway up. I'll... I'll be down with you soon. Well, folks, my dog's run away. And you probably heard her howling. She just jumped right through the window and took off. I never did anything like that before. Frightened by the bat, I guess. Personally, alone here in this big room, I can understand how she must have felt. This is not a cheerful spot by any means. I may not be psychic, but I sure have a feeling that this house does not want us here. Read again. <coughs> Excuse me. I have something of great interest to report. I am now standing in an alcove on the second floor, trying to recover my breath. As I reached the head of the stairs, I felt what I think is a definite psychic manifestation. I felt suddenly as though I had been punched in the solar plexus. And that's the only way I can describe it. At the same time, I began to perspire. Now my head is still swimming slightly. Oh, I have difficulty in swallowing. My pulse rate is around 110 a minute. And the sense of evil is very strong. I feel very, what shall I say, profoundly depressed. You, you want me up there? No, no, I prefer to remain here alone. The presence of a disbeliever such as you might interfere with my investigation. Well then, folks, I'd like you to get a picture of what it's like here. Very quiet, for one thing. I've never been in such a quiet place. And it's pretty dark. No light except for my flashlight. Tell you what. You go now and douse all the lights you have on. Go ahead, put out the lights, and that will give you a clearer feeling of how it is here with me. Go ahead. Hey. <laughs> hey. Did you hear that? What? <laughs> uh, yeah, uh. Real estate agent told me I'd probably hear rats and mice in the walls. Well, I can certainly hear them now. Even you could hear them, I think. It's as though... Dr. Reed speaking. I've been working my way toward the front room. The one directly above the one in which Mr. Smith is now. Oh, now the vibrations have become stronger. More and more pronounced as I approach it. I think I am on the verge of an important discovery. Important discovery. Did you get that? Now, now I can hear Dr. Reed moving about in the room above. Now, I don't suppose you can, but have a try anyway, huh? Here? Oh, God. You know, I hope she finishes this investigation soon, because quite frankly, I'd like to get out of here. You know, I could well imagine people becoming unhinged in this place. <laughs> right now, I can find myself pretty jumpy. Not being very brave, am I? It's being alone, being alone in this room down here, that does it. It's this darned old house. I mean, you know, the atmosphere is so very, very 
only to make this hurried report before continuing with the investigation in this room. I have carefully sounded out all the parts of this room and the emanations are most strong from what appears to be a closet before which I am now standing. As soon as I open the door to this closet, I will have, I think, a thing of great interest to communicate. I find no key to the lock, and so I will attempt to remove the hinges with my penknife, and I will tell you what I find when I open it. Well, I'll tell you what it would cost to get me to open that door, and it's in the basement of Fort Not God! Ah! Ah! That bat again! Ah, it seems to like me. The way it keeps each time it passes by, it touches my face or neck. <sighs> Smelly things, bats. I don't suppose they bathe often. I wonder how- God! Get away, you bats! Ah! God, that bat'll be the death of me. Hey! <laughs> it's like a jingle, isn't it? Bat'll be the death of me, the death of me, the death of me. Bat'll be the death of me. It isn't far from London. No, God, that isn't, that isn't the way it goes. Uh, come on down the queue in lilac time, and lilac time, and lilac time. Come down to the queue in lilac time, for it isn't far. <laughs> Boy, I haven't thought about that song in ages. Since I was a kid in grammar school. Gee, I had a lonely childhood when you come to right down to it. I mean, <laughs> well... <laughs> That's my affair, isn't it? <laughs> yes, yes. It certainly is. <laughs> I have succeeded in removing the hinges to the door. And I find inside that it is not a closet, but much larger. It is, I think, a dressing room. I have not yet been inside, but I am about to enter. Uh, uh, what was I talking about? Oh, yeah, yeah. Bats. Well, that bat flying back and forth in the room... God, hey, did you hear that? Did you hear it? Uh, Dr. Reed must have not knocked something over in the dressing room. The chair. Yeah, yeah. A chair. A heavy chair by the sound of it. This uh, chair or whatever it was must have fallen right... Fallen right over my head. That's the way it sounded. I could... I could see a small stain forming on the ceiling right above my head. God! Something just ran across my foot. A rat? I've always hated rats. Most people do, of course. But that stain up there bothers me. It's gotten so big so soon. I think I'll take a chance and bother Reed and ask her what it is. Dr. Reed? Reed, can you hear me? Are you alright? Hello? Well, she didn't answer. I'm afraid this is quite rather dull for you listeners. I'm not finding it so, of course. Oh, there, there. No, I heard her cough. Did you hear that cough? I hope she's all right. She got out of a sickbed to come here this evening, you know. She was gassed during the First World War, and, <laughs> and this place is just starting to get on my nerves just a bit. Just a teensy-weensy bit. Hello? Hello? She switched off. 
a bad cough she's got. I feel so lonely. Well, I've been alone much of my life. Not so much now, of course, but when I was younger. I was, I was alone so much of the time. You know, struggling to get ahead, living in a hall bedroom, wondering where my next meal was coming from. I get the blues just remembering it. It seems sad young people having to spend so much time alone. Well, sad for old people too, of course. No, you know, I'm saying, I'm saying of course a lot. <laughs> well, of course I am, of course. <laughs> hey, that stain on the ceiling, it's grown amazingly. And it's actually beginning to drip. I mean, I mean like warm bubbles. And they'll start dropping soon. Colored bubbles. Odd shaped stain. Like a, like a body laying on its back with its arms stretched down. <laughs> it's cheerful. <sighs> well, I'll, I'll certainly advise Miss McDonald to have this place torn down. You know, I'll go upstairs in a minute or two to see how Dr. Reed is making out. <laughs> you know, listeners, I really believe I'd go completely crazy if I had to stay down here much longer. Hey, it wears you down. That's exactly what it does. It, Where's she down? It's so close and musty in here, I feel all sort of trapped. I don't know why I said that. That's what they call this place, too. The Death Trap. There, there, what did I tell you? That stain started to drip drop. Drip drop, drip drop, drip drop, drip drop. Ah, here, you know, I'm gonna catch one on my head next time. <gasps> Read. But Dr. Reed! Dr. Reed, okay. Now I'm going upstairs, listeners. I'm afraid something has happened to Dr. Reed. No, I'm not kidding now. I mean, I mean, this is on the level. No, which room was, which room was uh, left? No, no, right, left, right. Great, this is it, I think. I think. Oh, Well, good evening, gentlemen. Huh. And madame. I'm so glad to see you. <laughs> I, I was just aching to see somebody. You know, anybody. I mean, it's been so lonely down there. <laughs> now, <laughs> now, what have you done with the doctor? <laughs> I know, I know she's been hurt. You, yeah, see, see the color of the bubble on my hand? <laughs> so, huh, what have you done with her? <laughs> make way, gentlemen. Please, make way. <laughs> oh well if it isn't the funniest darn thing <laughs> this can't be dr reed lying here <laughs> she didn't have red hair no, I, no don't crowd me gentlemen don't crowd me please huh, huh? how's that what you want me to go where with you you want me to do what Right, now come on, speak up, gentlemen. To the cliffs? <laughs> Down to the cliffs? You, you mean right now? Well, all right. I mean, if you'll come with me. All of you. Huh? All four of you? You're coming? You too, ma'am. Well, okay. Oh, good. Come on. To the cliffs. To the cliffs. To the
jumped over the cliff. He jumped over the cliff, McDonald. He jumped over the cliff. Miss McDonald, Mr. Thorpe, you may come in to see Dr. Reed now. What? Dr. Reed is conscious. You may see her now. Is... Is she able to talk? Just for a few minutes. In here. Come in. Come in. How, how are you, Dr. Reed? We've been waiting to see you. Uh, yes, and I must apologize. I had a most unfortunate accident. Hemorrhage. A uh, hemorrhage? Yes, yes, my lungs, you know. Now, um... Hemorrhage? Dr. Reed, what happened in that house? What happened to Smith? We've just been listening to a playback of the recordings you made out there. Smith? In there with you? We've just heard the recording, Dr. Reed. Smith jumped over the cliff into the ocean. Oh, oh, that poor boy. Dr. Reed, will you please tell us what happened? From what we heard on the recording, there were ghosts in that house. Ghosts? I didn't see any ghosts. But Smith, what about him? If he went over the cliff, it was fear that drove him over. But... We heard... I, I am telling you, I didn't see any ghosts. As for that unfortunate young man, who can say now what he saw or what he thought he saw? And so closes Cloak and Dagger on the Air's production of Walter Newman and Herbert Russell Wakefield's 1949 radio play, Ghost Hunt. Starring Dave Zineski as Smiley Smith, Nancy Longo as Dr. Clarissa Reed, Carissa Martin as Charlotte McDonald, and Chris Carter as Matthew Thorpe. Please give a special round of applause for our community guest star, Margie Potts of Frank's Pastry Shop, who played the nurse. Jane Meredith, Carissa Martin, and Bethany Fernbaugh managed our sound, and Lake and Weaver provided our original score. And now, this. And now it's time for... Hearted. The third wheels, the old maids, the match.com misfits, the eHarmony errors, the straight men destined to always be the gay best friends, bridesmaids and never the brides, losers at love. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, these are the stories of the casualties on love's great battlefield, heard only on Heartbreak Theater. Tonight, we present the sickly saga of Billius Brad, a guy who almost had the girl of his dreams. Oh, Brad, this is such a lovely spot. So romantic, so peaceful. Ah, uh, 
Yeah. Why, I've dreamed of oh. nights like this. A waxing crescent moon. A light breeze bristling my braids. A cricket or two chirping cheerfully. Oh. Frogs listlessly croaking a lovely lullaby. Ah. Owls hooting in hushed harmony. The two of us sprawled arm in arm on the hood of your car. Oh. <laughs> Janet. As I cling to you for my life, because all around me I hear the honking of horns and the roar of traffic on I-79 as cars and trucks swerve to avoid the flares you just put out after your 1989 tan Ford Tempo sputtered to a stop in the middle of the passing lane. Oh, uh, well, yeah, about that, Janet. I guess I... I guess I forgot to change the oil. And get gas. And check the air in the tires. And fix the left headlight. Uh, uh, <coughs> yeah, uh, the right headlight, too. We're sitting ducks here, Brad. Well, look at the bright side. <laughs> look at the bright side, Janet. Bright side? Both of your headlights are out, Brad. There's not even a bright light, let alone a bright side. And, of course, you had to break down on the darkest stretch of I-79. Uh, look, Janet, I'm getting a headache. And I'm feeling a bit tired. But couldn't we look heavenward again at the lights up there in the sky and bask in their glorious glow and in our luminous love? Love, Brad? Love? How does this show love? You don't even know how to change the flat tire. Did I mention the flat tire? Or did I forget to list the flat tire among the litany of horrors that are haunting me right now? Well, uh, I do have the uh, AAA Gold Plus plan. And you know what that means, Janet. They'll be able to tow us anywhere we want within 100 miles. And it won't cost me a single cent. <coughs> where, uh, where would you like to be towed tonight, Janet? <laughs> Name the exit and I'll have our driver take you there. <laughs> Get your hands off of me, Brad. Oh, but I... But I thought we were clinging to each other for our lives. It was kind of romantic. Ruby, Ruby, Brad, did you just sneeze on me? Huh? No. I mean, I covered my nose in time. Brad, I'm gooey. Did you just sneeze on me? Uh, no. Check. Brad, I'm gooier. I'm pretty sure you just sneezed on me. Oh, Janet, can't we just go back to a few minutes ago when you were waxing poetic about the waxing crescent moon? Brad, you're coughing. <coughs> Janet, Janet, can't we go back to a few seconds ago after a few minutes ago when you were affably aflutter about the light? Brad, are you sick? I, I... Uh, baby. So let me get this straight. You asked me to go out with you tonight. After consulting my calendar and realizing I had failed to schedule anything for this evening, I reluctantly agreed. You picked me up in your 1989 Tan Ford Tempo, which proceeded to break down in the middle of the highway. And as I clung to you for my life, traffic whizzing about me and practically over me, you began to sneeze profusely and cough violently, which has made me gooey and germy, simultaneously and respectively. Oh, Janet, this isn't how I planned for the evening to go. Honestly, it isn't. I, I, well, 
Excuse me. Brad, did you just vomit through the sunroof directly on my purse uh, beneath the sunroof? Uh, well, uh, at least it wasn't on you. I'm out of here, Brad. I don't care what horrors await me in the inky abyss of the interstate ahead. It can't be worse than the last five minutes of my life. Janet? Janet! We'll come back! Oh, well, that couldn't have gone any worse. Couldn't have gone any worse if I could... Why can't I catch a break? No, if only I could... Well... What's that whimsical, fairy-like music? Greetings, Brad. I am your fairy godmother, which makes you lucky, and me counting the days until I can retire from this god-awful mistake I call a career. You, You mean? Yes, Brad. I am here to salvage this sorrowful scenario. You mean... Yes, Brad. You and Janet are meant to be with each other as sure as light is meant to be with darkness. You mean? Yes, Brad. From the dawn of time, your destiny has been hitched to Janet's like a mule is to a plow. You mean? Oh, get over it, Brad. You really screwed things up here tonight. The cosmically predestined plan for your life is in peril. Oh, what were you thinking? Taking her on a date while you have the flu. Oh, nonsense. It's just a crippling cough. (coughs) And a sniffle and a sneeze. And an occasional, albeit voluminous upchuck. Right. And now, I'm germy and gooey simultaneously and respectively. Why didn't I take my mother's advice and become a magic mirror? Look, I don't know why she would trounce off into the twilight just because I'm clearing my airways and making room for oxygen to flow freely through my body and discarding of toxic waste within my stomach, thus giving me long life and preserving my ability to breathe with and through her until death do us part. You don't know why? Purgatory. That's what this is. Purgatory. I'm forced to pay my penance with pixie dust. Oh, I have just what you need, Brad. Right here in my bag. No, it's in here somewhere. Ah! A frog! I need a frog. Oh, not just any frog, Brad. This is a special frog. For with a wispy wave of my wobbly wand and an allerocious alligazam, I turn him into a... (coughs) A frog prince? Look, lady... People have thought it before, but I don't need a prince. Oh, not a frog, Prince Brad. A frog pharmacist. Oh, well, how's a frog pharmacist going to help me win back Janet? By giving you what you need most right now, Brad. 
Well, tell him, Jeff, and then we can book it out of here. My friend, are you suffering from a crippling cough? Well, yes. Do you have the snotty sniffles? Well, yes. Is a headache hobbling you? Oh, boy, yes, is it ever. It's like a husky hobbit is hopping on my head. Feeling tired and fatigued? Well, I could sleep a million years. And, of course, the vomit. Oh, of course. Voluminous and vomitous. Then, my friend, you are showing symptoms of... The flu. The flu? Yes, Brad, the flu. Which means you are in desperate need of a flu shot. Which is why I, Jeff Davis of Davis Brothers Pharmacy in New Cumberland, West Virginia, have been summoned by your fairy godmother. <laughs> a flu shot? The girl of my dreams has just left in a huff, and you tell me I need a flu shot. Well, you see, Brad, that's just it, Brad. Most people don't realize they need a flu shot until it's too late, even if they're experiencing flu-like symptoms. We're giving you a chance, Brad, to cut these flu-like symptoms off at the pass and perhaps give this egregious evening a happy ending. After all, I am your fairy. Oh, give me strength, Lord. Godmother. Oh, yeah, but, but flu shots don't help. People still get the flu. Ah, so... You're one of the hamsters. Hamster? Why, who are you calling a hamster? I, it's, I simply mean you're starting to sound like a lot of people who run around and around on the wheel of sickness and health all flu season long when the solution to what ails them is right before them at their neighborhood pharmacy. Oh, careful, Brad. At this point, I wouldn't mind turning you into a hamster. At least Janet would want to keep you then. Just such a soft spot for animals. But, but uh, honest, I, I don't need a shot. I, well, sure, I get sick, but I never get the flu. Well, unfortunately, Brad, too many people think like you. They think because it's never happened to them before, it won't ever happen to them. Yet year after year, people who have never had the flu get the flu. Hundreds of thousands of people, in fact. By getting this flu shot, you're doing your part to prevent the spread of a disease that can turn disastrous at the drop of a dime. Kind of like your date tonight. Oh, yeah, sure, but that's not me. I'm young. I'm healthy. I'm a strong... Okay, well, I'm not strong, but I could walk on my own two feet. I'll just chomp some Cody's and, and chuck some chicken soup and ha, I'll be fine. Seriously, Brad? Don't you know the flu can keep you down for weeks? Don't you know what can happen during those weeks? Especially to a young heart like Janet, who only wants someone to love and respect her. Two things you failed miserably at tonight, especially after you sneezed and coughed on her and vomited on her purse. You know, there's this guy named Frank who... No, okay, okay, I, I just don't like getting shots, okay? Ooh, and yet you were perfectly fine when Cupid's arrow shot you. Oh, although I'm beginning to think it must have had a dull point. Don't worry, Brad. At Davis Brothers Pharmacy, we make sure your shot is as pain-free as possible. Now look, frog pharmacist. Uh, 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 uh. Jeff, turning me into a frog was her idea. Well, we all have to have a gimmick. Especially in this line of work with this particular brand of bonehead. Now look, Jeff, I just don't like shots, you know. I don't like them. Never have, never will. 
I'll trickle some Theraflu down my throat and it'd be fine. But thanks, though. Hey, I think I see the AAA guy. I bet I could still track Janet down. Oh, she probably hasn't gone far. <sighs> well, I told you he wouldn't listen. They never do until it's too late. Well, Alicus! Seriously, do you have to turn me into a frog again? Can't you just sprinkle some pixie dust and fly me back to the pharmacy? Oh, contrarians, contrarians, and crab apples conspiring all around me. I should have listened to my mother and become a spindle on a spinning wheel. Heartbreak Theater, and the sickly saga of Phileas Brad, the guy who almost had the girl of his dreams, if he had only taken care of himself. The moral of our story, don't be like Brad. Get your flu shot this season and protect yourself from one of humanity's most prevalent yet preventable diseases. Stop by Davis Brothers Pharmacy at 615 North Chester Street in New Cumberland, West Virginia, and receive your flu shot today no appointment necessary, and most insurances are accepted. Davis Brothers Pharmacy is open Monday through Friday, 9 a.m. to 6 p.m., and Saturdays, 9 a.m. to 2 p.m. They can be found on Facebook or at davisbrotherspharmacy.com. Davis Brothers Pharmacy, your hometown pharmacy. Our thanks to Davis Brothers Pharmacy for sponsoring Cloak & Dagger on the Air, Beyond the Grave. Our cast included Carissa Martin as the narrator, Dave Zaneski as Brad, Bethany Fernbaugh as Janet, Nancy Longo as the fairy godmother, and Chris Carter as Jeff Davis, the frog pharmacist. Shane Meredith and Carissa Martin handled sound, and Lakin Weaver provided our original score. New England Cemetery. A chill evening wind stirs the leafless trees with a complaining murmur. A blood-red moon probes through the branches with grotesque fingers, touching the faded headstones with their eerie light. A frail, drawn-faced young woman sits on an old stone bench listening acutely to the rustling of the branches as if to capture some word whisper of the dead's forgotten past. Sarah! 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 Where are you? Oh, Paul, I'm, I'm here, over here. S Sarah... Sarah, I've been looking all over for you. What are you doing out here, anyway? I... I was called out here, Paul. What? The wind. There was a voice on the wind, and it called me to come out here. That, that's just in your mind, darling. No one called you. Yes, Paul, it did. I recognized the voice. You recognized it? Then whose voice was it? It, it was old and tired and sort of cracked, and yet... I could recognize it as my own voice. You heard your own voice? Yes, Paul. 
and it was strongest here where I'm sitting now, among my family's graves. Well, hello there! <gasps> hey, hello! It, it's, it's just Mr. Smalls. Yes, hello! It's just Mr. Smalls, the caretaker. I asked him to help me look for you. Oh, 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 oh well! Well, Dipper says you found your wife all right, Mr. Seaton. Yes, yes, I found her all right, Mr. Smalls. Now, Dipper thought he saw Mrs. Seaton come to the graveyard here earlier, but Dipper didn't expect she'd still be. <gasps> What's wrong? Oh, boy! Oh, well... It's, uh, it's... What, what, what's the matter, Mr. Smalls? You know, it's just that, uh, that Dippy gets sort of a funny feeling every time Dippy passes the grave here. What do you mean? What are you talking about? Oh, well, that grave, that one there, that, that one right next to you. Why? What's the matter with it? What ain't you noticed? There's only one name on the headstone. The first name, Hester. Well, that's strange. My family name is Randall. Wasn't this woman a Randall? Oh, you don't know the story? Uh, what story are you talking about? Oh, well, the kin who buried this Hester woman didn't think she deserved the family name, so they left it off the headstone. Why? Why didn't they give Hester her full name? Because they didn't want nobody to know where she was, you see. Hester was burned at the stake for witchcraft. Witchcraft? Yup, that's what they say. Um, Mr. Smalls, my wife is an ill woman as it is. Let him go on, Paul. Oh, but Sarah... What else, Mr. Smalls? Uh, well, uh, well, that's all. Uh, except Hester claimed at the stake that they were burning an innocent woman. She could be heard shouting as the flames licked around her. She threatened with her last breath to get even someday. How could she get even? Well, Dippy don't know. According to the story Dippy heard, Hester said that this here town owed her for the years of her life that they took away. No, well, now, this is completely ridiculous. It's only a legend. Mr. Smalls, tell me, how many years ago did all this happen? Well, it's right here on the headstone, you see? Hester, a lost soul, born October 13, 1759, died. Oh! Oh! Good heavens! What's wrong? Look, Mrs. Seaton, the date of Hester's death. It's worn away. Sarah. Yes, Paul? What are you doing out of bed? When did you get up? Why, just a minute ago. I, I can't sleep. She just keeps calling me. I hear her voice right here in this room. I heard it just a few minutes ago. What voice? She was begging me to help her, telling me she never really lived and pleading with me to bring her back to life. Oh, now, Sarah, you've got I to... thought I saw her. Now, Sarah, believe me, there, there She is was the... dressed in a black dress, and there was a large W on it. That's for which. And in her hand, she held a flaming torch. I'm going to call the doctor. Someone's at the door. Yeah, all right, all right. I'll see who it is. No, no, wait. Wait. I'll go. Oh, good evening, Mrs. Seaton. Why, Judge Foster? I uh, hope I didn't awaken you folks. I saw light in the window, so I... Oh, that, that's, that's all right, Your Honor. Come right in. Oh, thank you. 
I'm sorry to bother you this time of the night, Mr. Seaton, but I was looking out my window on the other side of the cemetery, and I thought I saw something or someone prowling around out there, and I wondered if they came over this way. Who was it? Oh, I, I don't know. Someone carrying a torch. A torch? <sighs> go, go on, Judge. Oh, of course, it could be that my eyes were playing tricks on me. They're, they're not so good. But as far as I could make out, it was a woman dressed in black. Paul! Uh, yeah, yeah, you, you saw this woman, Your Honor? You're sure? Yeah, I'm pretty sure I saw her. Of course, it's kind of dark out there, but it looked to me like there was something on the front of her dress. What, what do you mean? Well, there was the letter W. A big, white letter W on it. Hester. It was Hester, just, just as I... No, 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 Sarah. Hester? Well, who's Hester? Hester Randall. That's who you saw. She was in this house. No, it must be a trick. You see, someone is trying to frighten you, to make you worse. Now, now, hold on, folks. Hester Randall was buried over... Over 100 years ago. She's come back to life. Mrs. Seaton, I now, just don't ju- think... Judge, my, my wife is ill. She doesn't realize what she's I saying. I know that Hester's alive. You don't believe me, Paul, but Judge Foster just saw her, too. Well, I didn't see anyone who's been dead a hundred... What is it, Your Honor? Well, don't you smell it? Yes. Uh, something burning. It's, it's the odor of burning flesh. Oh, wait, look! Out, out there on the back lawn! Stuck in the earth! A torch! A flaming torch! (sighs) Sarah, I tell you, it's useless to have me dig up this grave. I've got to know, Paul. It's the only way I'll be sure. Uh, Careful, Mr. Seaton. You're just about deep enough for the coffin now. Uh, If it's still there. Your Honor, I don't know how you can sanction a thing like this. Well, Mr. Seaton, you see, uh, I want to be sure, too. Oh, but it's ridiculous. Ah, you struck wood with the shovel. Yes, it, uh, my eyes don't deceive me. It's the coffin, all right. You'd better go easy now. That that wood is soft with age and and half-rotted away. Okay, I... Yeah, I think we can open it now. Uh, wait, I'll, I'll give you a hand with the lid. There's something inside it. Uh, a body. Charred. Oh, it's a body, all right. Only it isn't a woman's. You can still make out the face. <gasps> it's Dippy Smalls, the caretaker! Dr. Norton, I'm so glad you've gotten here. I came as soon as I could, Mr. Seaton. What's wrong? She's worse, Doctor. Oh. Much worse. She's been in her room all day, hiding like a frightened child. I, I think the reading made it worse. Reading? What reading? Well, for the past few days, she's been reading books about her family history. Well, why did you let her have them? Well, it, because at first they seemed to quiet her. Since the night we found Mr. Small's body in that grave, she's wanted to know more and more about Hester Randall. Paul. Oh, Sarah, Dr. Norton's here, dear. No, you've got to warn him, Paul, before it's too late. 
Warn whom, Mrs. Seaton? Judge Foster! He's in danger! Hester will kill him next! What? It's in the records of the court. The magistrate who sentenced Hester to death in this state was a man named Foster. Oh, now, now, Sarah, you're just upset. Please, believe me. Judge Foster is a direct descendant of that magistrate. Hester's dead, dear. The dead can do no harm. Paul, Paul, you don't understand. She's killed one man already, and now she's going to kill another. She swore that she would get revenge on the magistrate and on the man who was her accuser. Oh, Sarah, all of this took place over a hundred years ago. Then... What about Mr. Smalls? What do you mean, Sarah? He had the same name, too. According to the record, Hester's accuser was a man named Richard Smalls. Judge Foster, my wife insisted that I come over here and warn you about... Hester. Oh, well, thank you, Mr. Seaton, for, for troubling, but I'm, I'm not a bit worried about the similarity of names. Well, I... I didn't admit it to Sarah, but the coincidence with Mr. Smalls was strange. Oh, the dead never frightened me, Mr. Seaton, but thank you for coming over. Oh, oh, by the way, can I drive you home? Oh, no, no thanks. Dr. Norton is waiting for me outside. Uh, uh, good night. Uh, good night, Mr. Seaton. Now, oh, where did I put those glasses of mine? I'm sure I left them here on the table. Say, who opened the door? Oh, is that you? Come back, Mr. Seaton. Well, confound it. Whoever it is, answer me. Who's out there? <laughs> it's me, you prosperous just duke. What? Who? Who are you? Your conscience has been dimmed by the evil of your act. Who am I? Mark you well this torch I light. Now mark you also my garb. This black garment I wear, and upon which you have impressed the wicked W. Oh, Hester! <laughs> I, Satan's magistrate, Hester Randall. <laughs> That Hester character, you know, that's the way a dame gets when she's burned up, makes a specter of herself. You know, I kind of feel sorry for old Judge Foster. When Hester showed up, the poor guy didn't know which way to turn. <laughs> they should have believed Sarah Seaton. She sure had Hester dead, uh, or rather alive to rights. Yes, indeed. <laughs> it's a wise descendant who knows her own forebears, particularly the grave-minded ones. <laughs> well, now, let's get back to our flaming fable and see what's cooking here on Cloak and Dagger on the Air, aptly titled The Vengeful Corpse, a 1949 radio play by Robert Sloan. Wake up. Huh? Uh, huh? Please, what? wake up. Oh, uh, Sarah, what's the matter, darling? I've just had a terrible dream. I'm, I'm afraid. Now, now, e easy, dear. I dreamt that Judge Foster was killed tonight. Hester, 
You did warn Judge Foster, didn't you, Paul? Yes. Yes, of course, Sarah. Now, wh- where are you going, dear? I'm getting dressed. I'm going down to tell the judge myself. You're staying here. Paul, please let me go. It means a man's life. You heard what Dr. Norton said. Under no circumstances are you to leave the house. You're to talk to no one. Why am I being kept here like a prisoner? Why don't you let me speak to... <laughs> what was that? Oh, it sounded like a door banging in the wind. <laughs> yes, there it was again. Didn't you lock the back door? Uh, uh uh-huh. I'm sure I did. Uh, I'd better see what happened. Wait, wait, I'm going with you. I'd better turn on a light here in the kitchen. No, no, you won't have to. I can see. It's the door, all right. I guess I must have forgotten to spring the latch. Paul! Sarah, what's the matter? Out there, by the trees, at the end of the lawn, I thought I saw a figure... All right, just stay here, dear. I'll be right back. There's no one out here, Sarah. You sure? Positive. Probably just a shadow. Oh, there's someone right here! Sarah, Sarah, what happened? Sarah, where are you? Sarah! She was standing here, Sheriff, right here at the back door, when I heard her scream. And there wasn't any sign of her when you got back here to the door. Not a sign of her. Well, folks just don't vanish into air, Mr. Seaton. She must be around here someplace. I've got to find her before it's too late. Too late? What do you mean by that? I I, I don't really know. I I just, I have a feeling that... Oh, so now you're going to tell me about dead witches returning to, are you? Don't tell me you believe in that stuff. I don't know what to believe. Uh, Sheriff, is that you? Yes. Sheriff? Yes, yes, who's there? Uh, Dr. Norton. Um, uh, you'd better come with me, Sheriff. I've just discovered something on the side of the road about a mile away. Uh, Mr. Seaton, I think that you had better wait here. What, what, what is it, Dr. Norton? What, what, what have you found? Well, I, I, I'd rather that you wait, uh, as I said before, until we're sure. What are you trying to hide from me? I guess you'd better speak up, Doctor. If it's something that concerns Mr. Seaton, maybe he should know. All right, Sheriff. When I made the turn into the road, my headlights caught it in, in a ditch. I wasn't sure at first, so I stopped the car and got out. It was a body in the ditch. A charred body. This way, Sheriff. Uh, Over here to the right. Where is she? Easy now, Mr. Seaton. Right here, Sheriff. Wait until I switch on the flashlight. There. Is... Is it Sarah? Just a moment, Mr. Seaton. Dr. Norton has made a mistake. What? This corpse isn't your wife. I can tell by that ring. It's the ring that the Judge Foster always wear. Hello? Oh, yes, Sheriff. Any news yet? Why can't your men find her? It's been six hours already. 
No, no, I haven't heard a word. Yes. Please call me as soon as you hear anything, will you? Yeah, uh, uh-huh. Uh, okay, thanks. Who's there? Who, who is it? Oh, open the door. Sarah! Yes, yes, quick, let me in. Oh, Sarah, Sarah. Oh, thank the Lord you're all right. Oh, Paul. Oh, dar darling, where have you been? What happened to you? Wait, wait, lock the door quickly. She doesn't know I've come back. She's still looking for me. Who? Hester. She was out there, Paul. That's why I ran from the house. She called to me from the road and made her go with me. Huh? Go where? To the cemetery. She kept me there, torturing me, begging me to change places with her. Darling, you're not making any sense. Please, please, please believe me. We've got to get away from here tonight, right now. She'll kill me if we don't. She wants my life for the one that she never lived. Now stop it. Stop. Just get a hold of yourself. Okay. There is no such woman as Hester Randall. But, but I saw her. I talked to her. The, the woman you believe, the woman you saw, is somebody else. Somebody living. They want you to believe that she's Hester. She wants everybody to believe it. But why, Paul? Why? Because she's a cold-blooded murderess. She's killed two people already, and she's trying to drive you out of your mind completely. But then, who? Who could it be? I, I wasn't sure before. Now, I'm almost positive. It's, it's Dr. Norton. Dr. Norton? Now, you saw this, Hester, Sarah. What was she like? Like a ghost? Like a, a shadow in the light? You can see her face, and yet you can see through it, beyond. No. That was an illusion created by the night, dear. Or perhaps some other tricks of a clever, scheming woman. You'll see. I'll prove that Dr. Norton is... <gasps> it, it's the back door again. It's blown open again. Leave it. We've got to get out of here. No, no. You stay here. I'm going to see who opened that door. Please hurry. Don't leave me here alone for long. Paul! What is it, Sarah? Don't come in here. Don't come back. Run away as fast as you can. What's the matter? Don't come in here. She's here. Hester! Sarah! Are you all right? I've killed her, Paul. She won't torture me anymore. I've killed Hester. She came toward me and I, I fired. Sarah? Sarah, there's no one in this room, dear. Over there. In the hall. She's there. Where? I don't see... Good Lord. You've broken the mirror. What? You shot it yourself. No. It can't be. I can't be her. And yet I, I saw her face. And it was my face, too. Sarah? Sarah, it was you? You all the time? I am Hester, fair gentleman. It is warming to have such a friend as you to stand beside me in this mockery of justice. Oh, Sarah, Sarah. Run, run as fast as you can, Paul. I was wrong. I haven't killed her. Run. Sarah, I've got to help you. I've got to explain to you Thou that... Thou art not Sarah. 
Not anymore. Can't you see who I am? Can't you see who has taken my place? Oh, Sarah, listen to me. I love you. Please, please come back to me. Sarah's gone. Now I can live the years they took from me. Sarah! See in my hand this pistol? <laughs> we will bid it, I say. It will come with me. Still no answer, Sheriff. No answer, Dr. Norton. I can't understand it. Mr. Seaton was home when I called just 15 minutes ago. I warned you, Sheriff, to have that house closely watched. Now, I can't do a hundred things at once. I've got every available deputy out looking for Mr. Seaton. Don't you realize that she may have gone back to their house? Don't you realize that? She's the one that might be Hester? Mrs. Seaton Hester. What the deuce are you talking about? I'm talking about dual personality. Mrs. Seaton is suffering from a nervous breakdown, and it's entirely possible that she's the one who killed Smalls and Judge Foster. Why? <laughs> Why? You should have told me that before, Doctor. I mean, come on. We're getting right over to the Seaton house. Here, Paul. They buried Hester's body here. Dishonored and unnamed. But, Paul, you believe in my innocence? Yes, Sarah. We'd better go back, dear. Back? Just, just to the house. It's very cold here. It's cold everywhere, Paul. I feel the chill of death coming near me. You and I are going back. Back through time. To an age where no one can harm us. This torch I hold, it will free us forever. Now wait, wait, Sarah, please. Listen, now try to understand, dear. Ease your mind. The flames will be of no pain. I know, because I've been through such a death before. No, now, Sarah, wait. Just wait. Oh, oh Paul, Hester's going. Oh, oh. <laughs> Sarah! Mr. Seaton! Are you all right? Yeah. Looks like we got here just in time. Paul, she's going from me forever. <laughs> oh, Sarah! She's dead, Mr. Seaton. I'm, I'm sorry, Mr. Seaton. Sheriff. What is it? What's the matter? Look. At the headstone. I didn't notice that before. It's been recut. Well, what do you mean? 
Well, don't don't you see what it says? Hester Randall, a lost soul, born October thirteenth, seventeen fifty nine, died September twenty second, nineteen forty nine. Say, have you had your personality split lately? Hmm? You see what happens when a dame gets her dates mixed up? Poor Hester. She didn't know whether she was coming or going to the grave. Now, if you should be in an old New England cemetery some night and one of the headstones should move, don't be frightened. It's probably just Hester coming up for a hot date again. <laughs> oh, by the way, there's no parting moral attached to tonight's tale. I'll just leave you with your own thoughts, as horrible as I hope they are. <laughs> Good night. Pleasant dreams. So closes Cloak and Dagger on the Air's presentation of The Vengeful Corpse, a 1949 radio play by Robert Sloan, starring Bethany Fernbaugh as Sarah, Chris Carter as Paul, Pete Fernbaugh as Judge Foster, Nancy Longo as Dr. Norton, and Dave Zaneski as Dippy Smalls and the Sheriff. Shane Meredith and Carissa Martin handled our sound, and our in-house composer, Lakin Weaver, provided the original score. Please give another round of applause for our community guest star this evening, Margie Potts of Frank's Pastry Shop. Frank's Pastry Shop is located at 430 Carolina Avenue in Chester. Our thanks also to Davis Brothers Pharmacy for sponsoring tonight's production at the Davis Brothers Pharmacy Pavilion here in Chester City Park in Chester, West Virginia. Carissa Martin and Pete Fernbaugh will next be seen in the Music Man at Triple A Community Theater from October 5th to the 7th and 12th to 14th. More details can be found on the Triple A Community Theater Facebook page. This episode and all episodes of Cloak and Dagger on the Air can be heard on Midnight Scario, a podcast devoted to seeing reality through the third eye. Midnight Scario can be found on iTunes and Stitcher. The Cloak and Dagger on the Air theme, The Sealed Kingdom, is an original composition by Adrian Vaughn Ziegler and used with permission of the artist. Adrian's work can be found on iTunes and YouTube. All original material in this program is copyright 2018 Pete Fernbaugh and all original music is copyright 2018 Lakin Weaver. Cloak and Dagger on the Air is a future past production. Our special thanks to also to Matt Cashdollar and the Chester City Park Board for giving us the opportunity to record this episode of Cloak and Dagger on the Air live from the Davis Brothers Pharmacy Pavilion here at Chester City Park. Join us Saturday, October 27th at 7 p.m. at the Ashley Marie Theater in Weirton, West Virginia for the premiere of season two of Cloak and Dagger on the Air, titled Nevermore, we will present an evening of Edgar Allan Poe stories, all of course, well calculated to thrill and chill you.
to the bone. Until then, we remain your obedient servants. Good evening. I'd like to have my cast come forward and take a bow. In the back, we have Lakin Weaver, who's our composer, as I just said, and then Shane on sound. Once again, October 27th at the Ashley Marie Theater and uh, the Ashley Marie Theater, Strip-like Community Theater's home in Weirton, West Virginia. Uh, that's October 27th. And if you want to keep up with us and all of our other offerings, the Ohio Valley Cloak and Dagger Company Facebook page. Thank you and have a good evening. <laughs>